This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. It didn't take me long to realize that the best thing about being a dad is that you get your own holiday. Father's Day, in which people are obligated to get you presents. Shopping for the perfect Father's Day gift can be tough, but ManCrates.com makes it really easy. ManCrates builds awesome gifts for guys. They take stuff guys love, like sports, survival gear, even machetes, and packs them into a wooden crate and ships it right to your door. Go to ManCrates.com stew to check out all their crates and give your dad an unforgettable gift this Father's Day. ManCrates.com slash stew. Triple eight seven twenty seven Beck is the phone number. It's uh, Fat and Stu today. Uh, welcome to the program. Uh, we just decided off the air, by the way, because um, Pat's out today. You know, for this this show, he had to leave for an appointment or something. Uh, God forbid he stay for both shows. Oh I know my it's back! Really my difficult. Back. Yeah. I'm limping. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, but we were deciding uh, at some point when it's just me and Jeffy doing the show that we should just slowly get hammered throughout the show. So that by the end, like the second, the last break of the second hour is a disaster. But it starts off, and you know, it's okay. It's okay, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe it's, it's been a long time since I've been drunk too, so it might be worth it. Really, like it six, fun. eight hours. No, oh, you're you're assuming that I would drive drunk to work. No, <laughs> no, I well, drive drunk. Yeah, they have Ubers. I, I can get drunk here, but you got to sober up in time. You can't get caught. That's true, but this is why it's a perfect time. We're kind of midday. Right. You know, you get hammered during the show, sober and then you're sober by the time yeah, you need you to drive home. You cannot drive drunk. It's illegal. And the good thing is just, uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. But then you have uh, uh, the, uh, the, the drunk meetings with Glenn later on in the day, and those are fun because, you know, he's... You know, that actually he, might be he watches it with envy as you make an idiot of yourself. <laughs> uh, because those days don't come back for Glenn, sadly. Um, that's what oh, he was. Oh. Uh, what we can, we've always tried to encourage him to pick up the drinking again, uh, and maybe that'll work this time. So welcome to it. Uh, you wonder why we're uh, talking, um, you know, maybe thinking about getting hammered. Um, well, the first break of the show is about Hillary Clinton. So Pretty that's kind of what started it. Got to be hammered <laughs> thinking about her. <laughs> Hillary. No about that. So Hillary is going to um, kick her uh, uh, campaign off on June 13th, which is interesting because she's already kicked her campaign off. Yeah, that's a uh, it's seemingly uh, she's acknowledging that the kickoff did not go so well. No, this is just like a re-kickoff. She's just not acknowledging that the kickoff but didn't go so well. This is just a re-kickoff. I feel like this is like you had, uh, you, they launched, uh, you know, Spider-Man, and they made a couple movies, and then they were like, well, let's start another Spider-Man with somebody else as Spider-Man. It's like, or, or even better, uh, Superman. They did it with yeah. Superman. That one guy had, he, no one ever heard of him before. He comes in, he, he, he does acts in a movie as Superman, the movie makes like $400 million worldwide, and then that's it. I don't know if he'll ever work again. He may not even be able to get a job at a fast food restaurant at this point. <laughs> like, I, I don't know what happened to the guy. I'm sure somebody, all of our geeky cameramen know, but there's, there's a, that's a pretty amazing story, but a story for a separate day. Hillary Clinton, on the other hand, 
Eh, she's up by 50 and points in the polls. She's a little still. shy of Superman, though. Yeah, she is a little shy of Superman. She's going to be kicking off her uh, campaign officially this time. Oh, okay. Uh, June 13th on Roosevelt Island in New York. Now, Roosevelt Good. Island um, is actually was known as Welfare Island at one point. Um, that was the actual oh. name of it, but now it's called Roosevelt Island. As um, dinner last November, Clinton mentioned she had recently watched the Ken Burns documentary on Roosevelt uh, and, the, and their family and saw how Theodore Roosevelt worked with imbalances that were in the economy and in society. Right. And Theodore Roosevelt's a go-to guy uh, for Democrats right now because he was a progressive. He started the Progressive yeah. Party. He is one of the guys that Glenn complains about at almost as much as Woodrow Wilson. He wasn't as bad as Woodrow Wilson, but he, he had um, uh, a lot of those same progressive tendencies. And the issue with Theodore Roosevelt is he's a Republican. People think of him as a Republican. He did start the Progressive Party, so I don't know that I would consider him a Republican, but well, he was a Republican. Weird. But those times, I mean, she says here, I do think there are parallels between the time in which he served and our times. Uh, I mean, if he started it, then those parallels are, uh, I mean, he furthered the cause. She's furthered the cause. Oh, yeah. I, I, Bill, I, uh, this is an amazing thing. Uh, when you go back and you think about, like, Glenn's complaints about Woodrow Wilson, which are, you know, totally legitimate, and he was a terrible, terrible human being and a terrible president. But the things he moved for would be beyond Tea Party ideas today. Because at that time, and what's so frustrating about Woodrow Wilson is because he took it from uh, a society where we were self-reliant and crossed those barriers for the first time. He was the guy that said, ah, we don't really need to follow the Constitution. But now we've gone so far, we don't even consider several, the Fourth Amendment? What is, what? That doesn't even apply. And so we've gone so far past that now that the things he was inching forward are way oh more God. conservative than we are today. <laughs> like uh, most, uh, the most, uh, you know, Tea Party candidates probably, because it's so hard to reverse it. I mean, remember, Woodrow Wilson didn't have Medicare. Woodrow Wilson didn't have Medicaid. Woodrow Wilson didn't have a lot of these giant programs. He didn't have Obamacare, I can t assure you of that. It was a dream, though. Yeah. It was a Woodrow Wilson dream. It, oh, yeah. I mean, he wanted it. Oh, but yeah. As a progressive, he realized he could only progress it slowly. Can't push it too far. You can't push it too far. And so if you go back to those times, I mean, think about, like, uh, we, our Tea Party candidates today come out and say, we're going to repeal Obamacare. That brings us back to 2009. <laughs> okay? <laughs> I mean, it's the right thing Way to do, there's no doubt. Way back to 2009. But up until, from the year zero to 2009, there was no Obamacare. <laughs> okay? And they can't even so, still seem to do that? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't exactly, we don't go back to, it wasn't libertarian paradise in 2008. Okay? It <laughs> This was, uh, you know, it's a kind of a, it's amazing how far we've come, I guess, is my Boy, point no there. Kidding. I mean, you know, you talk about Woodrow Wilson. Who's done more damage, uh, really? I mean, Woodrow Wilson broke barriers that allowed these other guys to do these things. But Lyndon Johnson has caused way more debt than every president until Barack Obama. And honestly, the programs passed by Johnson even would outdo a lot of Obama's stuff. I mean, really, uh, he's, he's the guy. You want to talk about lots of trillions? LBJ's your man. Lots of trillions, Jeffy. Lots of trillions. Oh, I, I like trillions. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, you like them in your pocket, not when you're paying for it. Um, during her time in the White House, Clinton is also due, uh, known to have imaginary conversations with the late Eleanor Roosevelt, which means she's insane. Um, she, uh, she revealed, this was revealed by Bob Woodward, by the way, 
uh, in his 1996 book, The Choice. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting to, from a political perspective, to see her thinking that she needs to relaunch her campaign already. Now, she's up by 42 points, I think it is now, over Bernie Sanders in the primary. Still, I mean, Bernie Sanders is not going to beat her. You feel like Martin O'Malley, in theory, there's an it's argument possible. for him? Yeah, there is, it is possible, especially, look, if Hillary falls apart, even after the <clears throat> re-kickoff event mm -hmm. uh, on June 13th, mm. which could quite possibly push her over the top. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, completely okay. over the top. Right, I that's true. I, I didn't even consider everyone's that. Everyone's going to be in the yeah. dust. Everyone's going to be like, wow, Roosevelt Island. Ooh. All right. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but O'Malley does have a shot, right? She falls apart. O'Malley at least has a shot because people are want pushing him ahead. Nobody's really pushing Bernie ahead. He's just out there preaching yeah. his philosophy. I know. It's weird because... You look at it on the surface. You, everybody can look at the picture and see that Bernie Sanders has no freaking chance to win this, to win this primary. He has no chance. He I mean, he's an admitted socialist who looks insane. Like, can we be honest about it for a second? The guy, I, I admire him because he's honest about it. And he just says, yeah, I want to be Europe. Yes, Scandinavia is better than the United States. Yes, I want to be a socialist. I admire that about him quite a bit. He's a guy coming out with the craziest liberal policies you can imagine, uh, progressive policies, and he doesn't care. And I like that about Bernie Sanders. However, he has no chance of winning the election because he looks insane. <laughs> and he, he admits it. Uh, yeah, no, but but what it, what happened to Hillary Clinton last time? It was her election to win. Yes, but a young, good-looking guy who never wears his shirt uh, comes out of nowhere and yeah. defeats her with essentially the same group of policies. Remember. Obama's position on health care was more conservative than time. Hillary Clinton's. Yeah, sure Barack did. Obama was a guy in this magical world of 2008 and 2007 who believed that the individual mandate was a dumb idea. He berated Hillary Clinton for thinking you needed an individual mandate. Now, of course, it's the most untouchable policy in human history. But in that time, he was the more conservative candidate on some of these issues. Um, and you look at uh, Martin O'Malley, it's kind of the same dynamic, right? I mean, O'Malley is very, very progressive, very liberal. Um, uh, he's not maybe quite Bernie Sanders, but he's very liberal. And he's younger, and he's, you know, good-looking, and he never wears a shirt. And those are the, apparently what Democrats want. <laughs> now, they don't want Hillary to never wear her shirt, I, I assure have, you. I, I would say I have seen him with the shirt on. Really? I have. Wow. That's like the Loch Ness Monster photo. I have seen him with the shirt on. However, the one shot I saw of him walking down some hallway, shaking hands and stuff, he looked, the suit looked too young for him. Uh, he it looked, uh, yeah. it looked too fashion Fashionista. Fashion forward. For yeah, that's interesting. I mean, look, you said it before. You oh, look, I fashion. am fashion. Oh, yeah, please. I am fashion. Please. A classic Jeffy quote from years past. <laughs> I am. I mean, look at this. Is that not, I mean. I mean, it's clear. Is he, is he lying? It's clear. And he's Thank fashion. Just, I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, okay. we don't even need to say it. Okay. But the point is, though, this dynamic is similar to 2008. It's similar in many ways to uh, uh, Bill Clinton's victory, to be honest. Uh, you know, I mean, he's, here's the guy. He's a governor. He's coming out of it. No one really knows him. But O'Malley is not catching on at all. I mean, Bernie Sanders is at 15%. He's announced 15 or 16%, depending on where you look. Martin O'Malley is still at one. He's announced. <laughs> Why is he still at one? That's true. 
And I, That's you know, uh, smarter people than I that have looked at these polls, uh, I know 538 has done a, a lot of work on this, 538.com, which is a great website. Um, uh, and they really dive into the data uh, behind everything. And, you know, their point seemingly is even people in Maryland don't like Martin O'Malley. Why would the rest of the country like him? It's kind of a, yeah, it's a pretty it's good kind point. of a good point. It is. It is kind of a that good is, point. At least the uh, people in Illinois like Barack, and the people in Arkansas like Bill. Right? He was. They were, came out of states that were, that liked them, that said, "Hey, this is our guy." Yeah. Here he is yeah. for you. Right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I could see. I could see it. I could see it. I, it's a. It's a strange race so far because you have what, nine. Uh, announced candidates and we need to do the poll again we need yeah, to refresh to the poll that. this weekend natasha can you remind me of doing that we should do that on radio today uh or i mean tomorrow whatever i don't know what i'm talking whenever about. we do it whenever we already did the show whenever right. we do the radio show right so we're we listening that's <laughs> right. when we'll do it right okay. exactly so uh <laughs> i don't even know anymore so uh you have this situation where uh martin o'malley tried not doing anything but on the republican side you have i think Pack. nine Candidates announced. Remember, Jeb hasn't announced yet. And we no, all know Jeb is oh, going. And, and so no one's really the front runner, right? I mean, really, oh, yeah. all those is anyone really the big front runner? Yeah, I, can't, I, I think it was Pew or somebody who did, just did a poll that had five or six candidates tied for the lead at ten percent, and then there was somebody wow. at eight and somebody like I think Ted Cruz, unfortunately, was not one of the ten. He was at like six percent or seven percent. Um, but all obviously, everybody right there within right. margin of error. I mean, the whole pack. And then you have people like, you know, Fiorina and, and Lindsey Graham that are kind of behind but announced. I mean, you're going to get, I think you're going to get to the point where people like Lindsey Graham aren't even included in the debates. This is a guy who's essentially John McCain, a guy who was the nominee in 2008. He's the same guy. Um, and, uh, you oh know, except gosh. he's not like a, you know, he is, has some military, he well, was in the there. National Guard or something. Air but Force. He, he Air had Force? to retire. Yeah, he was in the Air Force Reserve for like 30 or 33 years or something. He had to retire Lindsay? to run for president, I think. Oh, really? I think but that's what they were talking about. I didn't, uh, 33 years, I was thinking. Yeah. He still gets a pension from yeah. that now, too, probably. He probably does. Milk of the um, system. You know, I mean, he didn't have the John McCain torture. We kind of talked about no, this on the radio show today. We, yeah, but he has, he has a military background. background. Yeah. I mean, and he's John McCain. He's the same guy, same policies, a hawk of hawks. And, and obviously there's a place for that in, in the Republican primary. I mean, Lindsey Graham is not a good example of it. He's obviously <laughs> terrible, and he, all of his other policies are liberal. Um, but that being said, you have such a large field with so many candidates, many of which are actually good. And there, some of them aren't, haven't even announced, right? I mean, well, you, talk, yeah. you mentioned Jeb, but Rick Perry? Rick Perry, you is think you've got to, he, you gotta he's believe he's on I think he's announced his announcement. Yeah, announcement of announcement. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Jeb has, uh, I think, uh, sort of hinted at an announcement, but he hasn't done it yet. He's still exploring. Uh, Jindal, I mean, is Jindal going to enter? I I, he's know. on TV all the time. All of a sudden, he sure is. It certainly seems like he's. I mean, you know, a lot of these guys might be playing for VP as well, but you, you have. There's probably going to be three or four more that get in there. Santorum's officially in now. Rick's in, right? Um, I mean, uh, I think we could get. I, I uh, they still say in. John Kasich they think is going to still get in, which I don't know what his argument is. I mean, I don't people oh, you again. You didn't even mention Pataki. Pataki. Okay, Pataki's he's in. in. He's in. You so you have. Did I you think. Want, did you see the speech of him? Uh, no. No, it was, was it when good? we were on vacation. Yeah, yeah, it was really he good. He was great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he was good. Electric. Electric is. Yeah, that's the word I was looking for. Electric, oh. and I mean it was really kind of a. a 
a Jeff Fisher uh, speech mm -hmm. because look what I'm a I'm proof that once you start sweating mm -hmm. you can't just shut that off no you can't you can't shut it off no. I'm proof of that I've been that oh. way all my life you've proved that many times. yeah you can't just shut it off Pataki the speech oh no sweating oh, no. it was bad Mm. It was bad. I mean, I wanted somebody to give him a towel. We were laughing here last week. Wade and some of the other cameramen were laughing because he's just, I mean, it was dripping down his face. It was bad. Uh, Look at the speech. It was really bad. Oh, I mean, he has zero chance. I, to me, it looks like, to, to me, Pataki is like, all right, look, I had a run governor of New York. People kind of know me from 9-11. I don't know if it's really a positive memory. Like Giuliani, you oh, remember positively yeah. from those days. Pataki, I kind of think of him as, I think of him negatively. Background. Yeah. yeah, I think of him as like a guy who couldn't get the towers built. I don't know if that's fair, to be honest. I haven't examined that story in a while, but like that's kind of how I think that of him. That sounds good. He's not a ter wasn't a terrible guy, but again, a guy who's Lindsey Grahamish. He's hawkish with, uh, you know, uh, emphasis on, you know, immigration reform and yeah. things like that and it's like well, all right well you, you got a moderate republican maybe they think there are Coat no moderates giuliani for sure though yeah I mean, giuliani yeah him on his shoulders man oh yeah but but there's no argument for george pataki to win the presidency <laughs> I mean, like there's not a path the, the path for george pataki to win the presidency is he gets on one plane all the other candidates get on the other and there's a terrible accident <laughs> <laughs> There's no other. And then we're going to pick somebody else. <laughs> and then okay? we're still going then somewhere we're else. Pick somebody else. But you can have the ambassadorship <laughs> to Ecuador. Okay. Right, yeah. You're out. At least he has an argument <laughs> at that point. And it's not even a knock on the guy. I mean, there's just not a path for him in a field like this. I think everyone's looking at it now. It's like, all right, you have four or five good candidates to get in there. That could be a, 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 a real close debate. You get it to nine or ten. At this point, Anything can happen. Boy, uh, you know, you're just like, oh, I have to get to, what, 15% in, in Iowa to win that thing now? So if I have to get to 15%, I might as well throw my hat in the ring, see if I catch fire. Why not? Uh, and I think that's what these guys are doing now. And I think, because I did this um, a list of candidates uh, earlier, which was 12 that I was pretty sure are in. And then I said, that doesn't include Jindal, Pataki, or um, Trump, people like that. Well, you know, Dodd's not going to run. He's just now, run. I don't think and there's no the chance. Show. Right. Yeah. He's doing his typical dance. But so take Trump out of the mix. I mean, I think Pataki Pataki's in. He's kind of Trump's kind of fun to have around in the beginning. Then go away. Yeah. No, I, I have <laughs> I, the beginning being 1985. I agree. <laughs> as long as what you're talking about is 1985. Um, I am not, you know, no need for for me on that one anymore. Uh, but that's probably I mean, you think Jindal? There's a good shot. I think, you know, he might be a VP guy, but he's a serious candidate. Like, he, he's a top-tier candidate in this field if he gets in. I don't know that he's going to poll that way, but he's, he's a quality candidate. He sure is. So you're at 14, maybe 15. Um, if Kasich gets in, that's another guy. You're at maybe 15 candidates. A bizarre world. I, I've never seen anything like this. And it's not 15 Bernie Sanders. It's, no, it is it's, not. It, there's a lot of really good candidates in there. And people... That you have arguments for. Like, Jeb Bush, I think, is terrible and do not want him to be president. But, like, there's a really good argument for him winning. I mean, he's, his, his brother and his dad were president, and he's going to have more money than everybody else. And he was a, a, a governor of a swing state that was very popular. Yeah. So, I mean, he's a, obviously a good yeah, argument. Yeah. His state was, was strong when he was governor. Yeah. I mean, it even withstood you living there. Even after so, I met him. Yeah. I wow. Mean. Well, that's a, that's a great ad. For somebody who's attacking him. <laughs>
<laughs> Why was he hanging out with Jeff Fisher? <laughs> All right, triple eight seven twenty seven back is the uh, phone number. We got to almost none of the news oh, from that. We just BS. Sorry. Um, today, uh, sponsor. Oh, man crates. Yeah. Ooh, now, which one? Oh, I don't know. Let's see. Man crates. This is uh, the man crate, um, and they've got a huge selection at mancrates.com/stew. Now you go there and you're looking for something for your dad for Father's Day. And you're not sure what to get him. You don't want to get him a tie or something like that. You go and you pick out a man crate. Just pick the guy, the thing that he likes. Does he like sports? Does he like survival gear, grilling tools, uh, beef jerky, even machetes? Uh, like Jeffy with the zombies. Open the box and he, see what's in the box. I was giving a kind of a intro to, to man crates first. slash do. We got it. Oh, what's in the box? Okay. Today's is. Oh, this is this is awesome. This is the whiskey lovers. Now, if your uh, dad uh, likes this whiskey, or see, we're being pushed into getting drunk on the air. That's right. Where's the whiskey? We're getting pushed. This is like just making us. Mm -hmm. This is this is my favorite. Part. I mean, honestly, this is my favorite part of this particular box, which is the uh, ice the ice mold spheres. So you put the, they mix the ice cubes in this cool like the round shape, and then you look like you're really you're styling. Like this is when you know you're cool when you have that. You have. And, uh, it's true. Watch, Matt. You got, uh, as usual, there's always some really good snacks and stuff in here. Oh, we got to eat these things, too. These are great nuts. Pistachios in here. A pistachio. 33 glasses of whiskey. Cool little book to kind of... I mean, this is very cool. Gives you the whole thing. And then... I love these, too. Today, we're working through the 33 glasses of whiskey. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have 33 on the air one day. Uh, cool, customized uh, cups. Those for, are pretty slick. Those. Uh, I mean, that's a, that's cool, and it's I like. I love those square glasses. Yeah, you, you, is your name on that? It is. What? It says Stu on there. Now, of course, you could put your dad's name on there. Yeah, but why instead. would you do that when you could have Stu? Or you could just put my name on there and send it to your dad. <laughs> um, and you got these awesome coasters too. These like kind of sort of like slate coasters. I mean, it's 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 really high end stuff. Your dad's going to be impressed, and you know, it's going to say, "Wow, you, you put a little bit of thought into this," and it's it's a really cool idea. Mancrates.com/do. Check out all their crates and just pick out the thing that your dad loves. Get him an unforgettable gift this Father's Day. Mancrates.com/do. This is a national health care alert from the Health Hotline. If you, a family member, or a loved one suffers from knee pain and have Medicare as your primary insurance, we've got great news. You could qualify for a pain relieving knee brace at little or no cost to you. Get free delivery and all the paperwork is handled by our accredited suppliers at no charge to you. So if you're on Medicare and have knee pain, don't wait. You may qualify to immediately receive a pain relieving knee brace at little or no cost. Friendly agents are standing by 24-7 to help you. We also have other pain relieving braces too for your shoulder, ankle, or back. You may be eligible to get these items and more at little or no out-of-pocket cost. Our friendly representatives are standing by now to help you so please call now call 866-295-8411 that's 866-295-8411 again 866-295-8411 that's 866-295-8411 There's a lot of great stories on the blaze right now about Hillary and uh, all the details we could give them to you. But one particular I want to highlight because it's I find this to be completely amazing. Journalists assigned to cover Hillary Clinton uh, met for approximately two hours uh, yesterday to discuss growing concerns about their access to Hillary Clinton. 
This is from the Huffington Post, too, by the way. This is not uh, a conservative publication that came up with this idea. This is, it's amazing because how do you, this is only Hillary Clinton could screw up the Democrat relationship with the media. I mean, it's unbelievable. Uh, attendees told the Huffington Post that members of the press expressed growing frustration with Clinton's willingness to engage with them. Uh, they're pissed off. Again, like, they don't get pissed off when they spend all of our money. They don't get pissed off when they break the Constitution. They get pissed off when their jobs get harder. And it's very rare that they get pissed off enough to actually do anything about it. So, I mean, it's kind of amazing here. Reports, reporters were upset that, at what they characterized as her campaign's tight grip on information, even things that just seem to be basic logistical details. Uh, Nick Merrill wrote, I'd say two things. First, we want a happy press corps as much as, we, as, as the press corps does. Not an effort to obtain favorable coverage, uh -huh. right? But uh, because we're decent humans who want people to be able oh, to play their lives. Uh, that is all a complete lie. And this is the problem. This is the look, sort of crap that the press is pissed off Look, it's a long campaign, Stu. We're going to do our best to find the equilibrium. Mm -hmm. Listen, grip, gripping on background is not a constructive solution, though. And I can't help but point out the irony here. Mm. I really? can't help but point out that that word is griping. Ugh. Um, not as much gripping, but... Uh, what did I say? <laughs> you said gripping, like you were hanging on to uh, the background instead of griping on background, which is what they did in the story. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> uh, Google... I love you. I, I mean, only a little bit, but I love you. Google's lab for advanced projects showed off some new technology. Uh, this is late last week. And lets people, I, I don't know if I want this or not. Watch this video. Tell me, do you actually want this, or are you going to gripe about it on background? Watch. What if I can I grip it? <laughs> My name is Ivan Pubarev, and I work for Advanced Technology and Projects Group at Google. The hand is an ultimate input device. It's extremely precise. It's extremely fast and it's very natural for us to use it, right? Capturing the possibilities of human hand was one of my passions. How can we take this incredible capability, finesse of human actions, or finesse of, of using our hand, but apply it to the virtual world? We use radio frequency spectrum, which is radars, to track human hand. The radars has been used for many different things, to track cars, big objects, satellites and planes, we're using them to track micro-motions, twitches of human hands, and then use it to interact with wearables and Internet of Things and other computing devices. Hmm. Uh, now, first of all, I would also say to him, the word is finesse, not finesse. Um, Man, uh, you need to get off this whole word thing. <laughs> like Seriously. I don't mispronounce 30 words a day. Um, <laughs> and, and this is its interesting to watch that. And realize, you know, it's, first of all, it's amazing technology, and I don't know how the hell they do it. And this is, you get to the point in life where you realize you don't know how to do any of the stuff that you actually deal with on a daily basis. <laughs> I don't know how to work a car. I don't know how to do anything anymore. Oh, I mean, my God. You actually, you do, would you have anything? It. I looked at my car the other day. You would pull up, pop up the hood if you needed to fix it. It's just a sheet of, like, uh, plastic, like, Shield. Do you know how to get that off without breaking it? <laughs> I don't even know if I can get that off to <laughs> attempt to look at anything, let alone actually fix the car. Um, and I guess this is interesting. Part of me likes this stuff. Um, certainly, uh, you know, the thing with the watch would be beneficial because, you know, the Apple Watch, you see, it's, it's a little difficult because you 
you know, it's a small screen and you obviously mm -hmm. can't type on it. Maybe you could figure out something with the hand gestures where you could actually kind of more easily type a response. Um, yeah, but I like it. I mean, that's what they were working on with the, the 3D glasses, too, or uh, the, um, where you have the glasses on and you're into, uh, you're looking out and it's reality. It's what I see you, right? And then I go, whoosh, and I'm inside. I don't see you. I'm inside the game, whatever, where, wherever I'm at, Bizarre. I'm inside. And then whoosh, back to live. I, like, right? That's kinda, it's cool. That's kind of cool. It's very cool. But I, I always have those. Th you know, like when you're using a computer and uh, you meant to click on the tab of your browser and instead you click the X on the tab and it closes it out. And then, and, and then you swear a lot and it's like that sort of stuff is gonna happen like what if you're driving and you're like ah oh, geez and you go like this and all of a sudden you're in a video game and you're like, well you're not well, luckily you're not driving anymore i guess now the Correct. google car is driving for you Correct. i don't know i feel like there's going to be those issues we'll all get used to them probably but it's kind of amazing this is a little I hate bit that when my computer goes to a wrong site that i mean it wasn't meant to go to be honest for a second how many when they talked about using radar to replicate the motion of a hand how many different businesses did you come up with the first day <laughs> this is a scary oh future gosh. everybody come on scary future um uh, you're already talking about humanoid robots i mean we're the, in the future the one guy right mm -hmm. uh, was talking about we're humanoid robot gods he's talking about it. humans have to come together with robots by 25 30 years Maybe maybe 60. Yeah, I mean, Ray Kurzweil has been saying this forever. I mean, <laughs> hello. Yeah, scary. Uh, here's a little bit more. This is from uh, Google. This is where your world's going, guys. Our team is focused on taking radar hardware and turning it into a gesture sensor. Radar is a technology which transmits a radio wave towards a target and then the receiver of the radar intercepts the reflected energy from that target. The reason why we're able to interpret so much from this one radar signal is because of the full gesture recognition pipeline that we've built. The various stages of this pipeline are designed to extract specific gesture information from this one radar signal that we receive at a high frame rate. From these strange foreign range Doppler signals, we're actually interpreting human intent. Radar has some unique properties when compared to cameras, for example. It has very high positional accuracy, which means that you can sense the tiniest motions. Crazy. I mean, I, that's amazing. I, I will say that, like, if you remember Minority Report, of course, where, you know, Tom Cruise is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going like this. Great. Like, Love it. You, at some point, you look at that and you're like, that's really cool. It is. Um, but it's a lot more work than just going. That's all those exercise. Yeah, it's like, yeah. at some point, like, it's funny because you have, for example, a sport. And you're playing football, you're playing tennis. And then they create a video game. So you can sit on your ass and play tennis or football. Then they create virtual reality, and then you wind up playing football again. Yeah. You're just back in, you're standing up, you're running, you're throwing balls. Just go outside at that point. That's not what people are going to do, no. but, uh, and, and it is cool. There's a lot of benefits to it. I, I am, I could totally see myself getting into, like, once they, they master the, 
you know, like a, playing a sport in front of a giant screen. You know, like they kind of have it with golf right now, where you, yeah, can, do. I mean, you can hit a golf ball Wii into a sports, screen. The and Wii bowling and the Wii yeah, balls. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's early on. Once they get that thing mastered, I'll probably be 80 years old and not be able to get off the couch, but it seems like that would be pretty cool. Because then you could have, you, like in theory, you could be in a virtual reality world. And one of the hardest things, and I remember this, you know, you, you remember this growing up, you want to get, you know, you want to play sports, you got to get games together. Games are hard yeah. to get together because, you know, people are busy. They're, they can't get a ride over to your house. You know, you want to play football. You know, you can only get three people or five people, and then you can't have okay, a full you game. Okay, my sister play. Exactly. Like, <laughs> every kid went through that. I know I did. I mean, and you go to the, you go to the Y or you go to the gym or, and, or to play basketball. You go down to the, you know, the courts. And, you know, there's games, and you're waiting forever to get in the game. And, yeah. and then you're playing with people, you, you know, you don't want to play with. Like, that is one of the advantages of, like, PlayStation. You get on, and you can actually sign on with all your friends. If they're all in the same time, they can be at their own houses. They can be doing whatever they want. I mean, imagine that down the road where you could have activities with groups of people that you want to hang out with. Yeah, already do. And then, of course, then there's the Jeffy angle of it. What will people do with the idea that we can have activities with people that we want to hang out oh, with? Oh, trust me. I don't even want to think about how much money you'll make on that in that oh world. Oh my gosh! Uh, here's the last part of the yeah, Google technology. We arrived at this idea of virtual tools because we recognize that there's certain archetypes of controls, like a volume knob, or a, a physical slider, volume slider. Imagine a button between your thumb and your index finger, and uh, the button's not there, but pressing this is a very clear action, and there's a natural physical haptic feedback that occurs as you perform that action. The hand can both embody that virtual tool and it can also be you know, acting on that virtual tool at the same time. So if we can recognize that action, we, we have an interesting direction for interacting with technology. The radar has a properties which no other technology has. It can work through materials, can embed it into the objects. It allows to track really precise motions. And what is most exciting about it is that you can shrink the entire radar and put in a tiny chip. That's what makes this approach so promising. It's extremely reliable. There's nothing to break. There's no moving parts. There's no lenses. There's nothing. It's just a piece of sand on your board. Now we are at a point where we have the hardware where we can sense these interactions and we can put them to work. We can explore how well they work and how well they might work in products. Really cool. That's uh, kind of a cute little thing. However, you're still messing around, pushing it. Why can't I just say it? Just <laughs> you're, just, you're dealing I want with voice Siri. control. I want it all. Yeah. I, it, uh, I, just want, just, I want to go here. I, you know, Siri is the thing that, you know, controls your iPhone. Uh, and uh, I, I have, uh, the other day, I'm like, you know what? I never use Siri. I never use it for anything. I should try it with a couple things. Maybe it's great. Uh, so last, I, <laughs> two nights ago, I go to bed and I, I go, you know, Ding, and it comes on. And I go, uh, set alarm for 5.15 a.m. Okay. We have set an alarm for 5.15 a.m. Well, open up my eyes, 5.45 a.m. <laughs> this just never went off. <laughs> I was just like, seriously, like, you, screw you. Did you ask for it to go off? No, I don't know. What is I supposed to ask for? I don't know. Set my alarm, but don't have it go off. <laughs> is that a feature? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Let's, uh, what particular alarm would you like? <laughs> let's take a break. Triple eight seven twenty seven Beck is the phone number. Uh, My Patriot Supply is the sponsor. 
uh, they, uh, they, you know, they're great. And we've told you about them many times. And they have this deal going on to get you kind of in the door to prepare yourself for unforeseen circumstances. It's a 72-hour kit, and it's only $10. It includes shipping. Now, a 72-hour kit, if you don't know, uh, is, thank you. Creamy stroganoff. You get a little creamy stroganoff here. The bottom line is, uh, 72-hour kit is, okay, Things go downhill a little bit. You need to get through a few days. There's, you know, a t terrorist attack, or you need to hit the road kind of fast for whatever reason. You don't know what it's going to be. Uh, you know, you have three days of food to kind of get you through. Ten dollars. I mean, that's oh my gosh, that's really low. It's the lowest I've ever seen this. We've talked Set about your that mind before. To these two. I, I'm telling you, how many times? Think about how many times you go to the store during a month. No, oh, yeah, a month. How many times you run to Endless. the right? Right. So at any time during, especially in the last couple of weeks here in Texas, that you weren't able to go anywhere, flooding-wise, and you were stuck and you, had, you were supposed to go to the store before then, this would have been a perfect time. There you go. We got your 72-hour uh, kit. And you don't have to turn into, uh, you know, I'm tunneling into a mountain prepper <laughs> level here. This is nice and easy to get in the door for 10 bucks, And, it, you know, it helps your family and helps you prepare. Call now. My Patriot Supply is uh, the best place to do this. 800-274-3040 is the phone number. 800-274-3040 is the only place to get this deal. My Patriot Supply. It's not just food. It's, it's freedom. freedom. Thank you for doing that, Jeffy. All right, 727 back is our phone number. Elon Musk is the guy who runs Tesla, you know, Solar City, SpaceX. A really smart guy, entrepreneur. Um, you know, not necessarily somebody that you'd agree with on everything, but still an interesting guy, a really smart guy. Uh, and also, the Tesla P85D is absolutely ridiculous. It's like the yeah, best yeah. car. No, I want it. See, this is the thing. Like, how about here's a deal? Uh, you know, why don't you give discounts to uh, overweight media members for a Tesla? Is that <laughs> Something that would work into the Tesla philosophy. Actually, to think about. I am not opposed to that <laughs> right. idea. I think thank, that's a tremendous yeah, thank you. idea. Okay. Uh, t yeah, so he was on CNBC recently. And uh, I, I, again, I really like Elon Musk. I really like Tesla a lot. Uh, but he, he, you know, the companies get a lot of money from the freaking government. Yeah, they do. And that's the problem. Every time we talk about Tesla, they're like, well, how can you possibly support them? Well, I mean, I just think their cars are great. I don't support them. Um, but, uh, I, you know, do I like this policy? No. They've received $4.9 billion of our money uh, to do what? Um, well, you know, are they innovating? Yeah. Uh, is it progressing probably faster? Well, yeah, when you throw $4.9 billion at something, it's probably going to improve. It's help I mean, a little. It you hope that it rarely does. goes the other way. Uh, you know. Well. But the problem is, whose money is it? Um, now, some of this money comes in, in um, the form of tax uh, rebates and, and things like that. Uh, as he points out in the interview, I'm not, it's not like I'm getting a giant check for $4.9 billion, um, which uh, it's true. And if I was going to buy a Tesla, you know, I'm, they have a $7,500 credit. Now, as a policy, it's horrific. The idea that I should be, that we as a society should be donating $7,500 to people who want to buy $120,000 cars is pretty damn stupid. Yeah, it it's, a, it's a terrible policy. Um, however, it's a tax credit, and, and we all live under this tax system. You know, I, I always think, I, I'm not a fan of the mortgage income, uh, the, the mortgage uh, interest uh, credit. I don't think that's a good idea. I don't think it's a good policy for the country. However, if you're it's owning there. a house, which I don't, if you own a house, you're going to take it. Um, because uh, that's what it is. I mean, it, it, as liberal a figure as Ayn Rand supported that idea, when you are, 
you have to deal with the bad. So you have to take the good um, when it comes to if you get a, a tax credit. And I, I think people struggle with that sometimes. But I don't agree with the income tax. They don't allow me to not pay it. So the fact that I don't deal with a tax credit, I mean, I have to take it, right? I mean, I, I want to get paid the lowest, lowest tax possible. Um, and I, and um, people, some people see that as some justification, and I, I struggle with that as well at times. But, you know, I read Ayn Rand's uh, uh, you know, uh, reasoning on it, and eh, she's pretty sound on that. And we talked yesterday a little bit about the documentary Office Space. Mm -hmm. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, that's a perfect example. How is that a perfect with, example? Uh, wasn't it Office Space with uh, 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 Jennifer Aniston? Wearing the fifteen uh, the pieces 15 of flair, pieces, yeah, mm -hmm. flair, mm -hmm. and we want you to wear more. Then why don't you make it more? <laughs> right. Why don't you make the minimum more? Yeah, I, you know, and I, it's tough because it's it's. <laughs> I don't support those. Like I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I couldn't go on Obamacare. I think, but I can understand I why you would. And maybe I'm just in. Uh, you know, um, luckily we have a nice healthcare pro pro program here, and I don't think about it that often, but. Uh, you know, well, there's a lot of people who I'm don't kidding. support Obamacare who are on Obamacare. What do you do? I mean, if they're going to fine you, or you, would you rather pay a fine? I, some people would, but it's frustrating. Anyway, that's a sort of neither here nor there on this one. Um, but, but he's been getting beat up for this one. Yeah, and I think it's a fair thing to hammer him on. It's partially because of his reasoning. Uh, during the interview with CNBC, Elon Musk says that none of the government subsidies are necessary, but they are helpful. Well, look. Okay. I am not a guy um, who is going to be in love with government subsidies, okay, <laughs> as you may know. Uh, and I think you're in that same boat, Jeffy. Mm. Um, I understand that some of them exist. I get it. But we, if you're going to have a government subsidy, it damn well sure better be necessary. You better be right. able to at least argue it's well. necessary. Like, you know, uh, Nancy Pelosi will say, well, there's nothing left to cut. Uh, the cupboard is bare. And she will come up with awful justifications as to why we need these programs when you say these subsidies are unnecessary what you're saying is you don't need these programs um he tries to argue that he says um he was um hit on the fact that he said incentives and subsidies are typically incorrectly characterized as either needed or unnecessary he says Bullshit. both of those positions are false what the incentives do is they are catalysts they improve the rate in which a certain things thing happens and he, I think, is right on that. I mean, if you throw money at something, eventually it's going to improve. But if you, if you can improve on your own and you can make it on your own, you shouldn't be getting subsidies. You can argue that it might improve things. It might speed things up. But you know what? It's, it's, it's not your money. It's, you know, kind of like, uh, you know, I, I love your cars, but, you know, sorry. You know, you, you, like, sure, do I want your company to be successful? Yes, I would like Tesla to be a successful company. I think it does a lot of really cool things, and it pushes the rest of the audio, uh, uh, auto industry in really cool directions. But the bottom line is that's not really my responsibility. That's your responsibility. Uh, you, know, you don't need $5 billion of our money to, to do that. Uh, and if it goes under, I mean, that's what we did with all the, the solar companies, right? I mean, yeah. we just threw money at them, and it just... Yeah, I mean, certainly. Uh, and this I mean, is a little bit different. A little something? It's a little bit more of a gray area because, like, if I, it's my, it's theoretically my money, right? right. And I'm getting a, a tax credit. So what I'm doing is paying less money to the government in taxes. Essentially, I'm getting a tax cut. Now, the problem with that is government picking winners. The government is giving. Right. 
uh, saying, you know what, we want electric cars. Well, they wanted ethanol, too. I mean, they want things that are wrong all the time. Jimmy Carter wanted a completely different fuel system. They wanted coal for a long time. They wanted coal-to-oil <gasps> technology, and now they don't want Not it. Not that so, dirty, nasty coal. Yeah, you throw billions and billions of dollars at an idea, well, we think this one's going to be better. That's great. That's what the market's for. It's what smart people like Elon Musk are for, to come yeah. out and prove to the market that you can do these things and let him risk his own money. Elon Musk has billions of dollars. Let him risk his own freaking money to figure it out and advance things. If he wants to donate his own money to these companies, and by the way, he's done a lot of that. Yeah, he has. You know, he's taken a lot of big risks and failed sometimes. That's up to him. That shouldn't be up to us. And I think that's the issue here. And I don't think people dislike Elon Musk or dislike his companies. And, and I think, you know, look, do I want solar power to work? Yes. There are really cool innovations that go on with solar. That would be awesome. I'd love to have solar panels. I don't have to worry about it anymore. But, so you, you know, the government paying for it. I don't want the government paying for it. Hmm. Ask Germany how that's working out. Germany dumped billions of dollars into solar panels because they wanted to prove how green they were. Well, you know what happened in the years as they were building them? The solar panels got a hell of a lot better and they built old ones. <laughs> so now they have old, inefficient solar panels up that the, the taxpayer paid for, which are costing them money. And by the way, that's going to happen in the future as well. Yeah. If you don't, if you, if you, if you depend on private industry to take their own risks, you don't have to worry about that. It's a crazy what? idea. I'll try to explain it to you off the air. Uh, do you have a big problem with this? I'm, uh, I have a problem with it. In, in, well. in that, look, if we if we were a country like, um, you know, Qatar, and we had incredible amounts of oil wealth, and we paid, you know, giant checks to every citizen because we had so much money, we were so far ahead. We had too much money to store in all our palaces. If we were in that situation, you could make an argument, all right, we give a little bit to this company, yeah, a little bit to that one. We're $18 trillion in debt. We, we, yeah, we don't need to be giving Elon <laughs> Musk, one of the richest people in the world, any money. That's a good point. Sadly, that's a good point. <laughs> it is. Sadly. Sadly. All right, triple eight seven twenty seven. back. We're running a little late. We'll come back on the other side uh, with a little bit more of uh, fat and stew because it's inevitable. Triple eight seven twenty seven back. We talk a lot about people violating the Constitution on this show. It happens all the time with our president, obviously. And we have a Constitution on this program that gets violated daily. Uh, it's really starting to get frustrating. Mm -hmm. Really, the only thing in the Constitution is when we talk about a food product, that food product shall arrive and we shall taste test it. Uh, apparently, no one cares about that. The problem is, is that what happens is, is we mention it when it's not on the show sheet. And really, someone should go and get that product that's part of the constitution mm -hmm. but we let it slide mm -hmm. we say oh you know we it wasn't on the show sheet mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. nobody knew it was coming up and right. we just mentioned it so okay ha 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 don't go yeah, don't get worry about the it kentucky fried chicken that's fine yeah, and that, you know look the constitution's a living document in that sense we're ignoring violations and that's our fault right however then we get the ones that are already written down yeah prepared it's right here. People know it was coming. This right they, here says... It was part of the show. When, when did they print this out? Right. Carl's Jr. Ago? American no. Thick Burger ad. I mean, it, it's right here. This How is, is actually, it possible? We, 
We gotta that get they this. Knew it was coming. It's an awesome ad. We should do this with spoons tomorrow. Can we do it on spoons tomorrow? Uh, Pat needs to be here for this one anyway. Here is uh, the Carl's Jr. American Thick Burger. Oh. What's more American than a cheeseburger? This cheeseburger, loaded with a hot dog and potato chips, <laughs> in the hands of all-American model Samantha Hoops, in a hot tub, in a pickup truck, driven by an American bull rider, on an aircraft carrier, under the gaze of Lady Liberty, as she admires the most American thick burger, with a split hot dog and kettle-cooked potato chips on a fresh-baked bun, new at Carl's Jr. and Hardee's. I mean, that, that's a fantastic commercial. I am so upset right now that one of those <laughs> yeah. is not here. We'll get him tomorrow because Pat needs to try that one. Pat needs to be here for a, a, a hot dog and potato chips on a cheeseburger. Well, oh, whatever. We can, you can blow it off all you want. Oh, Pat needs to be here. Pat needs to be here. It should be here now. <laughs> Agreed. Um, and first of all, let's do that. And we need to figure out what, what are the physics of the way those burgers bounce on the ground. I, I don't even understand them. They bounce and like, like they have a pogo stick in them. Um, so uh, let me give you this as well. This one I got to try. The Hostess Ding Dong oh. Ice Cream Sandwich. They put ice cream oh. in the middle of a ding dong and give it to you. Are we saying we don't have that here? We don't have it here. It's another constitutional violation. I'm about ready to know. Where's the Supreme Court? We need a Supreme Court of listeners uh, to, to, to call out all these violations oh on Twitter at uh, Pat and Stu. Uh, call, them, call them out and, and harass everyone who works here. Uh, because we, we, they don't pay attention to us anymore. Maybe they'll pay it. We want to try these for you. For you. We're not doing it for us. It's for you. For you. We give and give and give. show of course you may have already been here so re-welcome to the show today uh, our show is entitled fat and stew vince vaughn didn't say that really it says pat and stew right there oh yeah Mr. It says sorry. sorry i made a mistake jeez you have to call me out vince vaughn uh, sounded off on gun ownership rights uh, in a big way this is up on the blaze you can check it out uh and it links to like the british gq or something i think is where he actually did the interview and it looks like there's more to it it's just like sort of a preview um, but the interview is really interesting. Uh, many fronts. He kind of talks about, uh, we're going to go into the gun stuff here in a minute, which is kind of like the, the big story, yeah. I guess. But he also, I, I, I read the whole thing, and it was interesting because he goes into, he feels like he's got into that place, uh, or it did get into that place for a while, where he sort of was churning out formula comedies. Vince formula Vince Vaughn comedies. Not that we noticed. Uh, some of them were, some of them were underrated. Honestly, uh, some of them were pretty, you know, uh, were pretty good, um, and some of them, you know, maybe not so good. And I think uh, you get to that point, I guess, in your career where you've done enough. He's made a zillion dollars, and you say, you know what? I don't need to do that anymore. Right. I don't, I don't need good to do him. it anymore. You know. Good for him. It's like uh, you know, sometimes you take, you know, you take a role. You're in front of the cameras. You're doing, uh, you know, something that you know is not. Uh, you know, high quality. 
No, sorry, I was just thinking of Jeffy for a second. That was totally separate from the Vince Vaughn thing. Um, but uh, so he, he he kind of acknowledged that. It's like, you know, I'm done with that part of my life. And that, I think that's, that's, that's a cool place to get to, I think, as an entertainer, uh, where you're like, you know what, I don't care if my songs are hits anymore. I'm going to do whatever I want. And whether that works for your audience or not, you'll have to see. Good luck, God bless. Um, you know, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But uh, Vince Vaughn's ta- certainly talented enough to make it work. Um, but he's also a, a guy who is a real libertarian. Boy, no kidding. He's not a, he's not, I don't know, a traditional conservative. People would maybe, I think, falsely c- classify him as, uh, he's a cons- one of the conservative actors. He's not. Yeah. He's a libertarian. He's a, a Ron Paul guy. He's a Ron Paul guy. And I, I would assume he's probably entertaining Rand Paul most seriously this time. But he's like a guy who really, I mean, he takes his stuff seriously. And I think it's shocking to people who don't understand it. A lot of people have never even been exposed to the libertarian point of view. That's kind um, of weird. And I think, uh, you know, especially from a Hollywood actor, they're not expecting We've it. been fortunate to be, uh, you know, exposed to, uh, you know, Penn Jillette for a while mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, being uh, friends with Glenn. Mm-hmm. And uh, then uh, when Vince, so when Vince comes along, it's like, there's another one. Yeah, you, you've seen it before. Yeah. And, and, and I'm, I'm surprised it's not more common, to be I honest. Know. Because, you know, it, it sort of allows those, uh, libertarianism allows for, you know, you, your hands off of everybody's life. You, you don't, you know, so that it works with what you would kind of in your head think of like Hollywood liberalism in, in some ways. It's not. Libertarianism and social liberalism are not the same thing. No, they are um, Jonah Goldberg has detailed this endlessly, um, and it's not, it is not the same thing at all. But you could see some similarities in some ways and how you'd think, okay, someone doesn't want uh, 9 million programs and, and doesn't want well, war intervention and doesn't want um, you know, people to get involved in personal lives. And you'd think there's some similarities there. But very few people will come out in the unpopular parts of that. And in Hollywood, one of the most unpopular ones is guns. Oh uh, the libertarian position on guns is is more... Just so hypocritical for those people to begin with. I mean, and he goes into it in this interview. Yeah, he does. Um, he goes, I support... Uh, this is him on an American right to own a gun. I support people having a gun in public, full stop. Not just in your home. Mm. We don't have the right to bear arms because of burglars. We have the right to bear arms to resist the supreme power of a corrupt and abusive government. This is not a guy who's coming up with these ideas uh, on the fly. He's read a lot. He's thought about these things a lot. And he's well-spoken on it. It's not about duck hunting. It's about the ability of the individual. It's the same reason we have freedom of speech. It's well known that the greatest offense against an intruder is the sound of a gun hammer being pulled back. All these gun shootings that have gone down in America since 1950, only one or maybe two have happened in non-gun-free zones. Um, uh, We looked into that at one time. I think it is accurate um, that the the overwhelming majority happen in gun-free zones. zones, I mean, how stupid do we have to be? Of course they're going to happen in gun-free zones. Why would you? You're not going to go into a gun shop and try to shoot the thing up. You're going to get killed. You go into a, uh, you, you know, if you want to go and, and uh, extract the mass amount of damage out of a situation, you're going to go to a place where you're going to be unopposed for the longest period possible. And where would that be if you wanted to shoot something up? A gun-free zone. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know, a place that has a sign that tells you there's no opposition inside. <laughs> Maybe that's a place to start if you're a mass murderer. And they've done it over and over and over again. Why, you don't go into a police station. How many, how many shoot, uh, you know, look, is there some police get, uh, get shot all too often? But rarely do you see a guy who wants to have a mass casualty event go into a police station and start shooting at cops. 
Why? Because they're protected. Right. They know it's not a gun-free zone. They know it's a gu it's a gun-filled zone, and they stay the hell away from them, right. and they go somewhere where they know no one's going to shoot back at them. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. Uh, take mass shootings. This is, again, Vince Vaughn. Right. And, and he goes on and on of what we just covered. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, you know what? You want to go? You wanna, well, no, because I, like I like the next one. Okay, well, let me finish uh, so this one first. For you to finish it's this all one. good. Take mass shootings. They've only happened in places that don't allow guns. These people are sick in the head and are going to kill innocent people. They are looking to slaughter defenseless human beings. They do not want confrontation. Thank in you. all of our schools, it is illegal to have guns on campus. Huh. So, again, these guys go and they shoot up these effing schools because they know there are no guns there. They are monsters killing six-year-olds. Pretty simple. It's a pretty simple deduction. <laughs> now, of course, he goes on to say, you think the politicians that run my country and your country don't have guns in the schools their kids go to? That's a great point. They do. Mm -hmm. And we should be allowed the same rights. Banning guns is like banning forks in an attempt to stop making people fat. Taking away guns, taking away drugs, and here he goes into the all the liberalism, mm -hmm. uh, libertarian mm -hmm. of you straight out. Yeah. Taking away guns, taking away drugs, the booze, it won't rid the world of criminality. Yeah, I mean, he, he kind of comes out in, uh, I think it was another section of this interview, full-fledged, you know, uh, war on drugs is crazy. Drugs are crazy, right. we need to end it. And, you know, he, that's where he is. And yeah. Look, I think there's a lot of... There's a lot of sense in that position. I've come uh, in a decent amount of that direction. We talked about it uh, before vacation and did the, the mm -hmm. pot show and talked about just you know, making, letting the states make the choices on these, uh, on these things. Um, but I think you know, Vince Vaughn would, would argue um, uh, you know, that's a great step, but you know, keep going. Yeah, yeah. The states should make those decisions in a way that's friendly with liberty, right. um, which is rare. Certainly, when people, and this is the problem, the, the, the fundamental problem with libertarianism is you have to get people who are so uh, interested in having power that they run for political office to then run for that office, win, and get rid of all their power. To get Very into hard. office and say, you know what, screw it, I don't want Very any of this power. Hard. Very few people are Very able hard. to do that. It's like, you know, it, it's, you're, you're giving them power to do whatever they want and, uh, and then we're surprised when they and we're surprised that they keep it on to it they, by everything they've got the most clear example of this uh, is term limits here is a uh, a uh, policy that is supported by 85 percent of americans wow. 85 percent there's very few things that are at that level 85 percent of americans say you know what congressmen and senators should be term limited just like the president we, we you know of course the problem is congressmen and senators are the ones that have to approve that. And they all say, no, I want my job for a zillion years like John McCain. Man, we tried to push it through. Yeah, darn we it. We tried to push it through. I don't know what happened. It was just we couldn't get it done this session. Yeah. Ooh, sorry. I, uh, uh, one of the uh, guys who actually stu st stuck by his guns and said, you know what, I don't care that I'm a senator. I'm still going ahead with term limits was Jim DeMint. Jim DeMint uh, uh, proposed a, a constitutional amendment to uh, guarantee uh, term limits for congressmen and senators. It got 27 votes. 27. A whole now, 27. 27 votes uh, for a policy supported by 85% of the American people. That's amazing. And, by the way, you know, sure, it probably it was mostly conservatives voting for that, but you have a lot of people who are considered conservative who did not vote for that right. because they wanted power to do what they want to do with the country. Instead of, and this is the... the if you could find How one do thing, you find something in that bill, and go back to your constituents and, yeah, and they, tell them 
Look, look, you don't understand. This is going to give power to lobbyists because they're going to stay there. Right. It's the same freaking arguments. It's bullcrap. We've dealt with them a hundred times. They're dumb arguments at this point. Um, and, uh, you know, you, you have people like Orrin Hatch and, and John McCain that sit in there for a thousand years and they're around forever. John Dingle, uh, <laughs> who's there for 16 centuries in office. Right. Uh, you know, uh, we can give you a hundred of these names and, you know, they all make the case. The, the issue is, of course, trying to figure out a way to do that. And, and uh, you know, Rand Paul has said he's for it. And, uh, and I, I, I honestly do believe he would push for it if he got into office. I don't, I, I'm trying to think if we've asked Ted Cruz. I feel like he does support them. Um, uh, but I, I think he would push for them as well. But Rand Paul has been outspoken about it. He talked about it uh, in the interview earlier today about term limits. Um, doing that is the... the, the is, is the most it's the easiest step because you have a step you have an overwhelmingly popular proposal that you should be able to push through with uh, you know just people supporting it um, I will say this that though the one way to actually make changes for conservatives is to find things that actually cut your power when you're in power it's hard to get change when Barack Obama's the president. But if you are a guy and you're George Bush and you're the president and you cut your executive power, that's getting something done for shrinking government. If you're a mm. senator and you go in there and you take power away from the federal government while you're a senator, because the other side doesn't want you to have power either. So that's the time that you get them to agree with you. Right. Like right now, you're seeing this a little bit with liberals. Liberals have wanted um, have been complaining about spying and all these things forever. They've been on that bandwagon. Now, they complain about it less when their guy's in office. But there's right. enough of them who are saying like why did in Oregon comes to mind where you saying, you know what? He really doesn't want it. He's been opposed to it. He was opposed to it when Bush was doing it. He's opposed to it when Obama's was doing it. So he's able to align with conservatives who are now in power saying, you know what? We agree with you all of a sudden. And you can actually get something done. Maybe something happens with the Patriot Act. At least there's a chance of it. Um, and, I, and that's what you have to do. You almost have to go and wait until you're in power and give ground on things, but give ground on things that shrink your power, not increase it. Shrink everyone's power. Shrink, yeah, yeah everyone's because power. when liberals get back in office, they're going to have less power. Right. You have to think a little bit ahead. You have to think a little bit unselfishly. You have to think uh, a few years ahead of, of where you are at this very uh, freaking moment to get those changes done. But you can get them done. That's okay. Whatever. Whatever. You don't believe me. Well, you know, what? I believe that you believe that. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. No, well, I didn't say it was going to happen. Uh, <laughs> here is uh, Obama. Oh, no. um, Are we going to do this? What? You're going to make me hear him? Well, he's our president. I think you'd, you're you a fan. You make me hear this guy. I mean, I know you're a big fan. I thought you might want to hear what he's talking about. I know what he's, he's talking, talking about. He's talking to Southeast Asian leaders on themes of civic engagement. Here's Barack Obama. And to you, now that your second term in the office is about to end, how do you want the world to remember you? Thank you. Fondly, I hope. Sorry about people that. don't remember when I came into office, uh, the United States, in world opinion, ranked below China, and just barely above Russia. And today, once again, the United States is the most respected country on earth. And part of that, I think, is because of the work that we did to uh, re-engage the world and say that we want to work with you as partners, uh, with mutual interest and mutual respect. But I've still got a lot of work to do. So. Um, 
you know, maybe in, uh, in 18 months I'll, I'll check back with you and I'll let you know. <laughs> That's great because the reason why you're more respected, why Russia was respected more back then is because we weren't essentially at war with them, right? Like, you've done such a bad job handling the relationship with Russia that that's turned so negative that they've committed so many adversarial actions that, yes, they are lower on the list probably now than they were before. It's not a, it's not a wonderful achievement. And by the way, I don't know, I mean, look, I, I don't know what numbers he's re referring to. I assume it's something. That's not always the case with these guys, but usually it's something they're referring to. But also, there's plenty of polls that show that country after country after country across the world hates us. They hate us more than they even hated us under Bush. So he might have found one poll where we're more respected or whatever that means. Uh, but the, the overwhelming uh, foreign policy of this president has not been uh, something. I mean, we're swimming upstream at this point. Well, look, he also said uh, in his little get-together. Mm -hmm. Sorry. Uh, as I always point out, democracy is hard. Mm. Okay? Mm -hmm. uh, he, a republic is even more difficult. I it's really hard to do a republic when you think it's a democracy. And he continues mm. to call it a democracy yeah. every All chance. Right. I think many of the things said about me are terribly unfair. Those are the words of Barack Obama. Oh, what a, what a victim. What an incredible <laughs> victim of this horrible, horrible racist nation. Here's a guy who, eh, yeah, sure, he's president of the United States, and sure, he gets unbelievable treatment from the media all the time. Any possible break he could be given uh, by organizations all across the world in the media, he, he gets. But, but the reason American democracy has survived so long mm -hmm. is because people, even if they are wrong, have the right to say what they think. George Washington our first president complained terribly about some of the foolishness that was said about him. Still, it's important for America to realize we are not perfect either. Mm. I mean, if I could say there's one person who's very similar to Barack Obama, it's George Washington. <laughs> I, I can't draw enough uh, comparisons. They're just so similar. And once again, uh, unfair, democracy, America not perfect. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, Fantastic. look, uh, obviously, there are unfair things said about every president. Uh, it's not even worth mentioning. It's like <laughs> when we, we hear these people like, I, I had death threats. Really? We get them all the time. It's not even worth mentioning anymore. Okay? Uh, it's just it's part of life when you're in the public eye. And it's the same thing with, with, with Barack Obama. Barack Obama goes in there, and he has people trashing him. And it, is a lot of it real? Yes. Yeah. Is some of it stupid, over the line, uh, uninformed, uh, racist maybe? Uh, you know, yeah, of course there's some of that. There's some of that for everybody. You don't even have to be president to get that anymore. With social networking, everybody gets it. Yeah, there was somebody who was, um, who the heck was it, the other day who made a really stupid point and then was complaining about everyone uh, attacking her and calling her horrible names. That was, names. Uh, what's her face? From, uh... I need a little more information. And then what's her face? The redhead. She was... Redhead. Yeah, she was married to uh, Marilyn Manson. What's her name? Ah, I can't think of her stupid name. I'll think of it. I'll think of it. Marilyn I, Manson. I'll, you think of her? Rose. Rose. Rose McGowan? Yes. Rose McGowan. Rose McGowan. It may yes. have been it, yeah. That's her face. That's her. Right, like she made some... Oh, yeah, she cited a false claim about Ted Cruz. Right. 
And then uh, she apparently, which I didn't see any evidence of, but apparently people were calling her names afterwards. Oh, yeah, they, and that's what she got out of it. Yeah, Not that she made that. a stupid mistake and tried to ruin a person's life right. for saying something they didn't say. No, she was upset that she was called names afterwards. Right. Bottom line is on social networking, that's what get you get. over it. You get it all the time. You don't even look at it. I, honestly, you know, I get stuff in my feeds all the time. Horrible things said about Glenn or said about me. And I promise you the, the bad stuff that's said about you, Stu, is not said by me. I wouldn't say anything bad about you hmm. on social media. Our president goes on. So we have to make words. sure that we are constantly mm -hmm. seeing how we improve our democracy. <laughs> okay? Uh, the amounts of money, for example, you'll appreciate oh, this. Oh, no, 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 don't do it. Not the money thing. Not the money thing. All right, go ahead. The amounts of money, for example, that are involved in our elections these days is disturbing. Oh, really? That's interesting. Because it makes it seem like a few people have a greater influence in the democracy <laughs> than the many. Uh, first of all, uh, every person gets a vote. So I don't, I don't even understand that argument. Second of all, this is a guy who promised to take public funding for his presidential campaign and then abandoned that promise and decided to get funded by lots of wealthy donors. Third of all, we spend way more money marketing cell phones in this country than we do marketing uh, elections. It, it, I don't understand this argument. Like, because the number billion sounds like a lot, and it is, uh, it's certainly not enough for the, a lot for the government to spend. Well, but it's, no, no. when we talk about spending it on elections, it's all of a sudden a big deal. Look at the marketing budget for the Microsoft Surface, for example. These guys run more commercials on more in more places. Right. Microsoft Service, Windows 8, just the Microsoft budget is gigantic. When when someone wants you to buy something, they'll they'll dump money into it. And the the idea that people want to dump their money instead into an idea they think is important for the country is not a negative. It's a positive that people care about that. So what? If you are so dumb, that you are being won over because the Koch brothers or uh, some leftist, George Soros, run an ad. If you're so dumb, you're won over by that. You shouldn't be voting at all. But, Stu, it makes it seem like a few people have a greater influence mm. in the democracy mm. than the many. Thank you. Well, the democracy is very important to protect, as you know, even though it's a Republican, not a democracy. But, Stu. Uh, yeah, I got you. Triple you're gonna, you are going to make my head explode. Triple eight seven twenty seven Beck is the phone number. Uh, let's uh, talk about Mancrate's uh, Father's Day right around the corner. And uh, finding that gift is going to be difficult, but not with Man Crates. Go to mancrates.com slash stew and find the, the Man Crate that fits your dad. Uh, whatever he likes, they've got a Man Crate for it. And one of the cool things about or. it is it's, the presentation is, is, part of, is part of the deal. It comes, you get a crowbar. Normally it's outside the sealed uh, uh, box. And you have to pry the thing open. And it, part of it is it takes a fun. little work. Oh, well, yeah. We, we actually it tried does it. take a little work. <laughs> now, we're not handy with tools, I will give you that. But it, it's, they make it a pain intentionally to kind of like make it into a fun process. Do you have the, can you have the duct tape one? Can, we, can I see the duct tape one over here? Because if you want it gift oh, wrapped, nice. this is great. This is seriously how a man crate oh, comes great. if you great. want it gift wrapped in duct tape. You're that's slicing great. through duct tape. It's just a lot of fun. Your that dad's going to love it. And inside, of course, uh, this one is the, oh, this is the barbecue one. Real quick, oh. I mean, you got, you got the hickory smoke. You got the saucepan in here. You got the great sauces. No, I don't I really want you. Oh, you want the pan? Yeah, I just don't want you around the food. 
uh, you get the great sauces. You've got um, the, you know all the cool tools, the barbecue gloves. I mean, look, your, your dad's going to be out barbecue grilling anyway. This is pretty sweet. Get him this. Uh, this is going to blow him away. It's going to be the present he remembers from this Father's Day. Go to mancrates.com slash do. Check out all their crates and give your dad an unforgettable gift this Father's Day. Mancrates.com slash do. Hi, and welcome to the Fat and Stew Show. I have a, of course, socially acceptable uh, leg positioning here right now. I'm supposed to sit like this, apparently, according to all authorities, because of the dangers of manspreading. <gasps> mm -hmm. You just said the M word. I did, apparently. I didn't know manspreading was a thing. Uh, here's apparently what they're uh, saying it is. Do you have this picture? Dude, stop yeah. the spread, please. It's a space issue. Although, I don't know if that's accurate, uh, because uh, he's sitting... So, well, this one you kind of maybe understand. I do. You got I mean, it. We rode the train for a long time, right. man. I understand that. You want to take up as much... Think big. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a believer in when you sit in the train, you come on, you think big. So, you're thinking that you actually are admitting to manspreading. It is, I will say, when we I'm were on the train... you manspreading when yeah. no one is next to you. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, it, you want people to come by and, and say, I can't sit there. Yeah, move I on. glance at this chair and say, eh, I don't want to no, get this guy to move, move Screw it. I believe right. in that. Every, I think everybody does that. I think even women do right. that. Right. That's not manspreading. That's just, yeah, you try to take up a bat. Like, you'll leave. Women do it all the time. Would leave their purse on the next seat. Always. always that, I so, started doing that with my backpack all the time. Yeah, so you have to ask them to move it. Now, of course, they will move it if you ask and them. And you have to. I mean, right here on the, yeah, it's public transportation. Yep, you know that's it's not going to be comfortable. Um, however, uh, I don't know if that's the whole deal because I, I would say, no, look, man spreading, sure. Uh, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to take up two seats for one seat. Now you have, you're not man spreading. You're just, you know, overweight. Which I might add, mm -hmm. uh, when I was uh, 60 pounds heavier than I am right now, mm -hmm. there were, I had a lot less man spreading issues. Really? Yeah. Because then you're just you're just people are just like no. It's natural. It's just a natural filling just, of multiple like, oh, areas. No, no. Okay, so that is one thing. I think we all would acknowledge. Um, you know, okay, fine. And if the MTA wants to run an ad that says, "Hey, stop! Yeah, sure. Don't spread your legs out. We we need people to be able to sit and down." And they do it all the time. They fine. they ask you all the time, "Don't leave your backpacks on the seat." Please, yeah. One seat, yeah. Okay, fine. I got that. However, the Telegraph has a story about. Uh, <laughs> Apparently, women, this is now part of, like, the war on women, okay? Um, men who spread their legs on trains are symptoms of a society that still sees women's <laughs> bodies as, as public, public property, property, and it yeah. has to stop. Um, now, I don't understand it. What does that mean? So she, this is what she, I guess she's claiming she was sexually assaulted in yeah. some way. Listen to this. Um, she says she was she edged sideways until her legs were awkwardly pushed up against the wall because a suit clad knee was jamming into her, her thigh so hard she could feel the quickening pulse of its owner through the fabric. Uh, no, you couldn't. That's not a, that's not a thing that happens with a body, is it? Is that possible? A knee? You're feeling the quickening pulse of a knee through two types of fabric? No, you didn't. Okay, you're just lying. <laughs> anyway. Well, she might have had just nylons on or something, right? That's a good point. It's possible. I still don't. Could you, I mean, do you, can you detect pulse in a knee? Through its owner, through the fabric. Anyway. Well, should, 
If so, she, okay, but again, th that doesn't matter necessarily. She's being uh, descriptive uh, and, you know, maybe making up some details about it, but still. He, um, opened, so he opened a broadcast newspaper across his lap, Stu. Yeah, she, so she had a big newspaper. He's spreading out and apparently pushing his leg into her. Halfway across mine and pretended to read, so he covered part of her body up with his newspaper as well. Okay, so That never she, worked for me. <laughs> he's... She's apparently accusing him of molesting her Pretty with close. his legs? I, is yeah. that a thing? I've never heard of anything like that. I mean, if I, you know, they, on the subways and when it's crowded, you always hear about the, you know, the, oh. the body rubbing and the. Yeah, I, I've heard of that. Like, buses. for example, that's a big issue in supposedly India. Where like you're in a lot of packed trains yeah. and guys are doing things that they shouldn't be doing and they have really weird domestic abuse and rape laws and it's a fun trip if you can make it. <laughs> it's not obviously, oh. and I know the, the Jeffy roll has to of course say that, but it's like, you know, obviously there are rules of really terrible things. Uh, however, I don't think I've ever heard it with the leg. No, I you're have sitting not. next to someone and you're moving your leg into the side of their leg and that's somehow a turn on. That just is uncomfortable. For both parties, I and mean, you shouldn't do it, but I, I never heard of it as some. I mean, sometimes it's not a sexual thing. Touch. And I know, I know it's weird. That is that is a weird. He she says, "quote He was groping me with his leg." Come on, come on, come on. I I, I don't even know what to, I, I've never heard of the. I've never well, heard of such. I a mean, it, look, people get off on all kinds of things, so I guess it's possible that he was way out of line with the, yeah, his man okay, spreading. Happen. Yeah, but I don't think this is exactly a common... No, it is not. Uh, Come on. We rode Stu. We rode the trains for a long yes. time. Yeah. And there was... Look, the last I, thing you wanted to do was be touching someone next to you. It's the worst thing, and it happens because... Trades aren't big enough. You get giant... Sometimes giant fat people are sitting next to you. Sometimes seats are... I, just, I mean, I... Wow, you should you cut to Jeffy when I said giant fat people. That was weird. I wonder why. Um, giant fat people are sitting next to you. You're trying to jam into two seats. I, I've done, I, I used to write on the train all the time, you know, because mm -hmm. we would, that was office time when we would commute. Oh, and I, would, I can't tell you how many times I typed entire <laughs> things like this for hours. You're on the yeah. train. You're just typing like this because the people are so jammed in your mornings, space. If it the sucks. trains are broke down and they send the old trains to, I mean, you're not doing any work. No. I mean, you're just jammed are, in and you're just. And there are times that you can't even sit down. You have to stand. Yeah. I mean, it sucks at times, but I, I mean, I don't know. I never, I, I never, I'm trying to think if I ever saw Mansbury. I saw the, there was the one couple for a while that was having the big affair on the train for, on a ride into Manhattan. And I used to catch them on the afternoon on the way out, too. They were having the big affair. I watched Wait, him get dropped off by another woman one morning. But on the train, he was with this girl lady every day. It was a train affair. <laughs> Jeffy. I witnessed that for a long time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, sure. Um, just remember, you could be on a train park next to this thing, uh, this guy. Uh, you want that to happen? You want the artist, known as, formerly known as Jeffy, sitting next to you? He's definitely, he's manspreading it, and it's not intentional. <laughs> Triple eight seven twenty seven back is the phone number. Back with more. That's just fat spreading. That's not. That's just fat spreading. Yeah, that's just like letting the letting gravity do what it does. You know. <laughs> back in a second.
888727 Beck is the phone number. Uh, Mental Floss has come up with a list of the famous songs with misunderstood meanings that you need to know about. And I always love stuff like this. Uh, Pat is always a, he's into this he as is. well. Um, he, you know, him with, uh, he, he's obsessed with, with, music and like music history particularly we should do we, we should actually do a like a recurring segment with him doing those stories because he has so many good and ones. we have we have talked about that in fact that's why we were coming up with some of the some of the stories of uh, uh artists that may not necessarily have been great after their one hit <laughs> oh really or, or at least one their one hit and where you know it's kind of like what, the where are they yeah, now where series, are they? i know which yeah. was really cool but it, we've and we talk about it all the time i mean yesterday we <laughs> roll yesterday we rolled into Susie Quattro which then <laughs> led into before the radio show this morning mm -hmm. talking about Susie Quattro mm -hmm. and her songs and it's saying that she has sold 50 million records you, off the air I they were talking it. about this obsessively yesterday and today I don't believe it yeah I mean, uh, it's been going for two days because I don't believe it <laughs> and would, so, so, if somebody knows Susie have her call us because we want to know if it's a lie or not. If she sold 50 million she, albums. If she tell us. Yeah, I think so. If she likes you guys. Susie Quattro, got to be a Jeffy fan. Come on, Leather Tuscadero from Happy Days? <laughs> uh, so let me give you some of these songs. Closing Time, Semisonic. Uh, Semisonic I actually saw open for somebody. I don't even remember really? what, before this song came out, like before anyone knew who they were. And they were great. I don't think I've ever seen them. They were really good. I mean, they, they, were, they were a cool band. They, some of their songs are really cool. And... I actually had one of their CDs long before they became popular. It was one of those, I don't know, I somehow stumbled onto them, and they're great. Uh, they, didn't, uh, they had this, I think, this CD with Closing Time, and then one more after that, and, and that was, uh, I don't remember hearing anything else from them. Um, but uh, Dan Wilson uh, wrote the wrote lyrics like, Time for You to Go to the Places You Will Be From. Um, Song's Focus was more an emphasis on the miracle of childbirth than, uh, than bar closings. 2010, Wilson admitted to the American songwriter that he had babies on his mind partway through writing the song uh, and said, my wife and I were expecting our first kid very soon after I wrote that song. I had birth on the brain and I was stuck <laughs> by what a funny pun it would be to be bounced from the womb. <laughs> He's talking about like, closing time. You got to get out of here. You're you got to be born and stuff. And uh, John Lennon's Imagine, you know. Now I got the stupid song running in my head. But when Rolling Stone named the former Beatles uh, ubiquitous hit the third greatest song of all time, uh, Lennon's hallmark lyrics were described as 22 lines of graceful, plain-spoken faith in the power of the world, united in purpose to repair and change itself. But the feel-good sentiments behind the song, Jimmy Carter once said, was used almost equally with national anthems, have some serious communist underpinnings <laughs> yeah well, i mean it does kind of right yeah lennon called the song virtually the communist manifesto <laughs> that is a strong statement from yes, the guy who is. i don't know wrote it uh and i feel like everyone knows lennon was that way he i mean he did have some hesitations with the craziness yes, of the movement did. but he was he is no conservative uh, so that's an interesting one um he says um because it's sugar coat is it is accepted uh, right. So, you know, right. look, you got to put a little honey on top of it, I guess, is what, is what uh, uh, Lenin thought. Uh, you, I guess that's what politicians do today, though. I mean, what is, what is Obama oh doing gosh. except the Communist Manifesto which in sugar coating? With it. sugar on it. I mean, absolutely. Uh, please. I mean, that's why we like Bernie, right? Because Bernie is. Bernie's no sugar No sugar I mean, He's just that's that. What I want. He's just the crazy professor just espousing socialism. Uh, like a Virgin by Madonna. 
Uh, I didn't actually what? knew. No, this was. Uh, I, I didn't know this was controversial. But uh, the he told she told Quentin Tarantino that it's about love. Uh, not sex, to paraphrase things that I can't say. It's not what it's um, <laughs> Not originally meant for a female perfor performer. The lyrics for Like a Virgin talked about the guy who wrote its, uh, his relationship woes. He explained in depth to the L.A. Times, oh I was saying gosh. that I may not really be a virgin. I've been battered romantically and emotionally like many people. But I'm starting a new relationship, and it feels so good. It's healing all the wounds and making me feel like I've done this before because yes. it's so much deeper and blah, 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 blah. That's kind of yes. how I took it, though. You don't, take, you don't take that song as like a um, – it's not like a big – like she was sexual in the song because she was rolling Very. around half naked on stage when she was singing it. But the song itself – it talks about a relationship and then, like, you know, kind of like, hey, this is so amazing. It was the first time. It felt like the first time. I don't know. I don't remember listening to the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> All right. There you go. Let's watch the video. Mm -hmm. Heard like a virgin. That's all I wanted. <laughs> Maroon 5 uh, had a song, Harder to Breathe. It was the first song you probably ever heard from Maroon 5. It was actually, I thought, one of the better ones because it, it wasn't uh, as poppy. It was a little bit more, uh, a little bit more rock sort of uh, uh, there's sort of rock uh, leanings yeah. um, put out there but it has nothing to do with actually having a suffocating relationship with a girl which is what most people thought it was about the record label suffocating them huh. they wanted to finish an album and they were like hey idiots make another song and they were typical artists and go no I don't want to make another song I've made enough songs and they got really angry about it and just penned this as a they were pissed off right they said yeah you're making it harder to breathe and you're suffocating me as an artist and by the way they're probably their best song and actually, he, he acknowledged yeah. to his credit, and you know, uh, I, I think Adam Levine's come a long way to um, embracing the worlds of capitalism, as yeah, he's he on does. essentially every show on the planet now. But he says, uh, "I was just pissed off, uh, and I wanted to make a record that the label was applying, uh, and the label was applying a lot of pressure. I'm glad they did. At least he recognizes it." Yeah, yeah, no kidding. I mean, I was I was actually reading ahead on Third Eye Blind, mm. uh, Semi-Charmed Life. Yeah, this is a song for you. Radio purists of the 90s probably missed out on the fact that the upbeat Third Eye Blind anthem is about a couple on a crystal meth binge. Mm -hmm. No, we didn't. <laughs> no, I remember. That one's not, that one I didn't know at the time. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, although, you know, you do, 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 do. It was like so cheery. I think people missed it. Uh, <laughs> but if you look, they did blur that song. Because there's a line in there where he says, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, doing crystal meth will lift you up until you break. But they sort of like, you know, they reverse the words in the middle of the song. Um, right. What do they call it? Back, uh, back, back masked. masked. So you couldn't understand it if you just heard the song on radio. But if you had the CD, uh, you'd hear it. And it was about that. But you don't really necessarily Why make it. a song about such a serious topic so light and bouncy? Because... <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you what it says here. Lead singer Stephen Jenkins explained that the musical and lyrical juxtapositions were completely intentional. Mm -hmm. Really? No kidding. <laughs> the music reflects the bright, shiny feeling you get on speed. Thank you. Is that what it's like, Jeffy, on speed? Is it bright and shiny? Yes. <laughs> it does work. It'll, uh, yes, it does. It's really high. It's uh, speed. Um, I, I, that one I, I did know, and uh, uh, it's not a surprise necessarily, but I think to a lot of people who knew the song and the vibe of the song and the doot doot doots all throughout it, that you might necessarily be surprised it's about Crystal Ness. <laughs> uh, but I guess uh, that's not that surprising. Uh, okay, let's uh, take a break. Triple eight seven twenty seven Beck is the phone number. I want to tell you uh, on the other side uh, how to buy a five hundred dollar house in Detroit. And we've talked about doing this for the Patton Stew House, right? And putting and just painting it with a big ad for our show. 
Uh, we never actually wound up going through with it. Uh, but apparently, maybe somebody has, and maybe we can learn from it. Must them. be in the Constitution if it's not happening on the show. <laughs> We told you about the, the Fat and Stew House, or it was called the Pat and Stew House, I should, uh, I should clarify. Uh, back a couple of years ago, we were talking about you know, buying a house in Detroit. It was worth a dollar. And then you paint it with a big Pat and Stew ad, and that would be our advertising budget. Now, we don't actually have a dollar in our advertising budget. I should, I should be we clear. Did that. that does not exist. Well, not really. But uh, it, it costs a lot more to actually get the house. And we talked to a real estate yeah. agent who kind of talked us out of it. Um, but BuzzFeed has uh, has gone down this road a little bit, and, and, and like it is tempting. You look at the real estate sure listings; is. you can see a three hundred dollar house. Like, why not buy it? See if maybe the neighborhood turns around at some point. Who knows? I mean, you drink away three hundred bucks on a weekend sometimes, right? I mean, three hundred bucks. I mean, that's that's down the drain for a, for a quick now, weekend. Knowing the bars you why go not to, spend it on the, the three hundred dollars is a lot of alcohol for you. That's a. Lot. I mean, you're going to nickel beer night. Yeah, but you're buying everybody's <laughs> drinks. Um, BuzzFeed. Like so here's the here's the the, the pitfalls from BuzzFeed. A uh, $500 house never actually costs $500. Yeah. At best, you'll have to invest about $10,000 to make the um, home livable. At worst, some of these homes can be in shambles and have a value of uh, $40,000 because of back taxes, liens, water bills, and and all the other stuff there. That yeah. one's scary because, I mean, I don't think if you're buying a $500 house, though, your intent is to make it livable per se. Like, I don't, right. like I'm going to leave it the way it is, and if the neighborhood turns around, I'll maybe fix it up and try to sell it. But the, uh, again, though, and, and we, talked, we learned a little bit of this when we, before, before we, when we were actually mm -hmm. thinking about it. Yeah, there were a couple of days we were like legitimately, we're I, doing this. Yes, it would have been, been fun. A house can be foreclosed on and repossessed based on taxes the owner doesn't even te technically owe, but the owner does owe it because the city says you owe it. Right. Low-income uh, homeowners are often eligible for tax exemptions, yeah. uh, but to get them, you have to do a lot of paperwork and know the deadlines, which not everyone knows about. So you're an outsider. You're coming in, and you're just buying a house to put a stupid ad for your dumb show on the side of it, and you don't know that you have to file 5,000 forms with the government to get out of the stupid taxes that you have to pay. It's a situation known as asymmetric information. Wealthier or more educated residents of other cities can hear about and purchase these foreclosed homes easier than the owners can learn how to actually keep them. And that's the guy that we talked to. I wish I could remember his name because he was, he was he really was, good. But he yeah. talked to us about, about this. He talked about, to us about... Uh, uh, getting the place and then uh, trying to either pay these or get out of these what the city says you owe them still on the house because the house isn't at the time it was a dollar yeah a dollar not mm -hmm. the $500 so obviously it's gone up <laughs> 500 times your money mm -hmm. yeah and uh, he talked about uh, having to hire someone uh, his company and I think you know, obviously a couple other comp comp companies were coming in buying these houses and then having I don't know me come in and live there so that nobody would uh, squat, squat. In there. Because yeah. if you squat, then you got to go through another long process to get rid of the squatters. Mm -hmm. So they just want somebody to be there that isn't a squatter and so to right. keep the house 
livable. Yeah, cool. yeah, you got well, you just want someone else out of it. I mean, you can't have someone else in it. In fact, BuzzFeed says uh, of the 60,000 homes facing foreclosure, 20,000 are still occupied. So oh, wow. you got a, two, a, a, thir- a 33% chance that, you know, you're going to buy this house and then there should be somebody living in it. But again, uh, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to somebody living in it. Again, I'm not, you know, I'm not planning on buying a dollar house and moving in. It's like a, it's, it's a, it's a luck play. You're like, hopefully the market turns around and maybe you can make some money off of it. Plus, right? we were looking at, I mean, who cares if someone's in it? We just wanted the, we wanted the billboard. We want the ad. I mean, you go live there. Now, I wonder if we could go. Now, here's another. Let me just bring this idea back for a second now that we're here because you're bringing up a good point. What if we go to a house that is already lived in and we say, we will pay off your mortgage of $500 if you put this giant uh, sign up for patents, too? We want to be able to Google Earth it and see patents. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Just on your roof. Instead of solar panels or something, you put our stuff. Oh, we're going to have an outside. We want people on the road to see it, too, but we do want it on the roof. We want it on the roof, too. Yeah. That's not a lot to ask. I don't think to so. To pay off a mortgage? Come on. Luckily, the mortgages are only $500. Um, even if it's vacant, you can't buy an auction home and move right in. You know, who's talking about moving right in? You're not moving yeah. right into a house you buy for a dollar in Detroit. Yeah, no. It's like no. A, you might no. as well move right into the funeral home if you're going to do that. <laughs> uh, absentee landlords or investors are not welcome, uh, and that's the big issue. Uh, Land Bank discourages remote investors in many ways, including not letting anyone buy properties in bulk and making sure each house is actually rehabbed and occupied before allowing another sale. Yeah, of course that's what they want. Well, again, it's the government getting in the way. You could get, right. you could seriously get one person who's mildly wealthy and wants to dump $10,000 and buy up a couple streets, right? And then they can go in there and, you know, they can rehab them as they go and hopefully make the, the, the area a better place. Instead, they stop the people wanting to do that. Uh, and uh, and get in their way. What we want, Stu, is individuals who've been renting or people who are thinking of moving back into the city or who are moving to the city for the first time. Well, you know what? What you want isn't important. You, what you want, you've created with what you want a society of disaster. So you don't get to, no one cares about what you want anymore. Instead, let someone come in there and invest in the community. Like, I, I, they always talk about economic freedom zones in Detroit, which I think is a cool idea, where you just kind of test free market principles. Give, give a neighborhood, you know, uh, no taxes and, and business development credits and or whatever the heck you're supposed to, you know, whatever these, I, I, you know, I don't have any, all the details right, on right, those right. things. But the idea of essentially making it a libertarian business-friendly community. I mean, it certainly couldn't hurt. Yeah, right. What, what's going to happen? It's going to turn into uh, a place where everyone has abandoned the homes and there's a bunch of homeless people living in the homes, which I guess they wouldn't technically be homeless people at that point. But the point is, uh, it, what you're doing now is not working. Why not give it a whirl? You know what? And then the next neighborhood over, try socialism. See which one is, works out better. <laughs> I'd love to give, you, give that a shot. Give, give a couple of years of that and then come back and see and what happens. And then in Dearborn, what you can do right outside of that is have Sharia law. Oh, wait, they're doing that. <laughs> they're doing that already. Um, let's keep this YouTube thing for tomorrow. Uh, we have The last thing on our sheet was this YouTube thing that Jimmy Fallon did, which you need to see. Oh, it's, yeah, well, that was really, really cool. good. Really cool. I, Jimmy yeah. Fallon, man, I, I, I was a bit of a skeptic was, uh, that he'd was, be able to, like... do a lot of Caitlyn talking. Who cares about Jimmy Fallon in the YouTube? Okay, it's Caitlyn okay. Jenner. Okay, I, okay. Right, let, we, me, let me clarify. On. Jeffy has been wanting to talk about Caitlyn Jenner all day. And we are now going to give him the, 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 the microphone. I'm going to step out. And Jeffy, <laughs> finalize the show. Walk us through what you're interested about Caitlyn Jenner. I just find it fascinating that so many people are upset with a man who wants to become a woman, who is a woman, Caitlyn Jenner. <laughs> Agonizing. 
Leave the man alone or the woman. It's Caitlin. And congratulations because he is now the fastest person to get to a million followers on Twitter. He beat Barack Obama. But it really wasn't Barack Obama, was it? It was he beat POTUS. He beat POTUS for the fastest Twitter account to get to a million. Now, let's go on. Let's talk about what exactly Caitlin and Bruce are up to. Because it isn't Bruce anymore, is it? It's just Caitlin. Are we? Seriously, that's the end of the show?